A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello one and all, and welcome to Behind the Glass, the podcast which aims to take you behind the scenes of the YouTube channel Seen Through Glass, as well as the automotive and social media worlds. I'm your host, Sam, from that YouTube channel Seen Through Glass, and joining me by video conference, it's Tony from Gravelwood Car Sales. Hello everyone, good afternoon, evening, uh, morning, whatever. I have to stop you immediately. What on earth has happened to your hair? Well, I've shaved it off, boy. <laughs> Am I that much of an inspiration to you that you went, you know what, Sam is such a great guy. I just want to look like him now as well. Well, I mean, you are a great guy, but I certainly don't want to look look like you. And I <laughs> definitely don't want to sound like you, that is for sure. Oh. No, I, I, <laughs> I cut it off because uh, we're obviously in quarantine. This is uh, what I call my COVID haircut. <laughs> and... Uh, we're going to be in lockdown for another few weeks and then everyone's going to rush back to the barbers and the hairdressers and I won't be able to get in and I've got to do some work. So, um, yeah, I've basically done this to save my business. <laughs> <laughs> I can't decide if you look ill or like a football hooligan. It's very unnerving. Uh, for any of you who are listening to us only, because a lot of you out there only listen to the podcast. Thank you so much for doing so. And you need to come and log on to youtube.com forward slash behind the glass to see the disaster that is Tony and his new skinhead. I, I mean, mean, if you're looking at me saying, does he look ill or, or has he just done it for a bet? I mean, now you, now you know how I feel looking at you every week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Before this gets too mean, let's move on. Because very excitingly this week, Tony, we have our first sponsor. Yes. Oh, this is fantastic news. We love a sponsor, don't we, Tony? Um, you know, for, for all of you that have been listening to the podcast over the years, uh, we really, really appreciate it. But we also appreciate uh, when sponsors come on board and also want to support the podcast, but also offer you guys something great. And that is what today's sponsor is going to do, Harry's. In two seconds, I'm going to explain to you exactly uh, what they do and what their offer is. But but Tony, we want to encourage everyone, don't we, to, to get behind this, uh, to, to help support us as much as possible. Because the other day you did say to me, what? What's in it for me with this podcast? And I'm hoping if we get sponsors, it will start making it worthwhile for you. Well, yeah, and uh, I'm going to get behind it because I do actually need a shave. Yeah, well, hey, <laughs> good point. You do. Sort so yourself out. I'm in. <laughs> okay, well, look, after this uh, brief message about our sponsor, Harry's, uh, we'll be back with today's episode of Behind the Glass in which Tony and I will be discussing our dream five-car garage. I've always been somebody that has struggled to grow a beard. It's frustrated me the majority of my adult life. I've seen people out there with beards and gone, oh, well, that looks good. How do I, how do I get one of those? Because my facial hair grows in a slightly strange way. It goes kind of 
thick and fast under my chin and then long and whispery on my moustache and, and very patchy on the rest of my face. So it's, it's not a good look if I let this facial fuzz grow out. So to avoid embarrassment, I've been shaving once, twice a week, sort of every week since about the age of 17 or so. To compile my issues, I also have quite sensitive skin. So long story short, I spent a long time spending what felt like a lot of money on sort of razors that promised a comfortable and close shave. That was until I discovered Harry's. Because a few years ago, I was out in LA and I was invited onto the Smoking Tire podcast with Matt Farah. And Matt introduced me to Harry's, whose founders, Jeff and Andy, seemed to have the kind of same frustrations I did. They were sick of paying for overpriced, overdesigned razors. So they set up a company, raised a load of money, and started a razor factory in Germany. Now, what do I love about Harry's? Well, over and above their sort of great design and the simplicity of all their products, of course, you're getting high quality razors for a great price. But the fact that it's a sort of subscription model, for me personally, it means that I never have to bother or worry about always going out there and spending more money and, and finding those razors. Because if I'm on the road, if I'm traveling as part of seeing through glass, it's so annoying if I forget a razor in a hotel room or it drops in the bottom of my bag, and then I have to get one of those disposable razors that kind of doesn't really suit my face or my face doesn't like. I never really know which way around that is. But yeah, it just ensures that I'm always going to be getting that comfortable and close shave. Now, Harry's are going to give you guys an amazing offer because last week they sent me their trial set. And for listeners of Behind the Glass, you can get this trial set for just £3.95 when you head to harrys.com forward slash behind the glass. Now, what is in that trial set? Well, let me show you. Firstly, you of course get their razor attached to a very nice handle. This one in orange. There are a few other colors available. It's a very nice feel, I have to say. You also get the shave gel. And for me, as I just mentioned, very useful, a little travel case. So yes, all of that for just £3.95 if you head to harrys.com forward slash behind the glass. And for you lovely listeners, they're also going to chuck in a post-shave balm. So please support the podcast, check it out, and I promise you, you will be enjoying a smoother shave with Harry's. Now, if you missed last week's episode where Tony and I rated some of your rides, um, thank you for those of you that did tune in, by the way, uh, you will have missed the the update that I fell down the stairs. <laughs> I mean, it, was, it was actually quite dramatic. I mean, I laugh now because I'm feeling considerably better. Um, but at the time, I felt pretty awful. And after uh, finally ending up seeing a doctor in, in a rather safe and COVID-friendly way, uh, I was diagnosed with not only a concussion, but <laughs> what is a medical term for loose brain have you heard of that tony <laughs> well i mean i i think i suffer from that as well well no uh, wait a minute i suffer with loose mouth yeah <laughs> so is that connected because that is technically connected to your brain so could be might be the same same disease yeah for sure it's been a pretty horrific uh 10 days uh from my side but i i am now starting to feel a lot better and i hope in the next couple of days i'll be fully back to action but it has meant i've been a little bit off the radar not able to do much however on my way to the doctors, I did do a little bit of car spotting because, Tony, I don't think you would have come into central London during, well, since lockdown. I don't, I don't know why you would have had to. Um, but this was my kind of first trip into the main, you know, central, central London. And my good Lord are people using their supercars for their supermarket runs or daily bits of exercise. It's 
ridiculous. Yeah, it's amazing. Oh, no, I haven't come into central London because I don't live in central London. Um, so I would have no need to come into central London. And I did see that you've been taking pictures because I saw on Twitter. I also saw on Twitter people half going in on you about um, that, <laughs> well, you, yeah. that you, that you should, should be taking photos. I think there's still some confusion over this. And of course, we have to mention that some of my other YouTube colleagues or YouTube friends have actually been making content during lockdown i think taking the opportunities of when they have to go to the supermarket or when they're out doing their exercise to film some videos and it's a bit of a a tricky topic i think i don't know where the sort of line is i don't feel particularly comfortable with the idea of going out and filming a video right now i'm trying to take as much of the government's advice as possible to stay home and stay inside and whilst you can self-isolate in a car i um, i don't know it just it just doesn't quite feel right. However, uh, on the way to the doctors and whilst I was out uh, doing some exercise for my rehabilitation, I did see some nice cars and thought I'd take some pictures. Um, Maybe I shouldn't have, but anyway, Um, it's a weird old time. But yeah, I've seen everything from GT3s to Aston Martin Signet. Who remembers that? Like what a rogue car the Signet was. I wonder how much they are now because they were silly money. They were like 35, 40 grand-ish, but I don't know if they'd come in up. We did have one in stock once. Did you? Um, and, and we sold it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We sold it. Sold it to a lady. Um, uh, but I don't know what sort of money they are now. I'm guessing they've half held because they're rare. Well, I mean, they're a Toyota. Yeah. Okay. Well, this will surprise you, mate. They're big money. They haven't just held. Yeah. In some places, they've gone up. Like I looked the other day, and obviously, it depends on everything, mileage and and and. Uh, oh my God, clearly my brain's not unloose yet. Uh, uh, but anyway, depending on... Uh, oh my God, Tony, why can't I speak? Depending on... Mileage and condition. Thank you. Oh, that was bad. Maybe I need to go back and see the doctor. I mean, when you've got to ask me to take over, I mean, that is bad. I mean, you must be still ill. <laughs> clearly. Depending on mileage and condition, they can go up to 50 grand, mate. I mean... Honestly, that is the only Aston I know that's gone up in money. <laughs> <laughs> hey, your favourite, the GTA, that, that went up at one point. Uh, when? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, um, <laughs> but the, you're right, the, the, uh, the Signet was based on, was it the Toyota IQ? Was that what it was based on? Yeah, yeah that's probably why it's gone up, because it was based on a Toyota. <laughs> it's still working, it's still running. <laughs> And as far as I can remember, it was literally just a Toyota IQ with just a different interior trim and a, and a few vents like V12 Vantage-esque vents in the bonnet. But you do see them parked up around London. Like you, they are quite rare, but you do see them. And I'm kind of intrigued by it because it's the ultimate sort of rebranding gimmick, isn't it? And we laugh at Lamborghini when they put a stripe on a Gallardo and call it a special edition. But this was really taking the piss. When, uh, yeah. when you sold it, do you remember how much for? Uh, I think it was around the 35 grandish mark, but that's how much it was new. So it hadn't lost any money then. So, but I mean, it was a few years ago, mate. So, um, in yeah. theory, ultimate little city car. I'm a big fan of tiny cars in the city, smart cars or twizzies or whatever it might be. And that, and that Toyota was, t- oh, sorry, that Signet, uh, is tiny. And so I guess it doesn't really matter if some of the technology and the mechanics are old now, because I'm imagining the gearbox is pretty dodgy and things. But I guess who cares if you're just literally pottering around central London? 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why, why not? Well, talking yeah. of theoretically small cars, maybe cars that were small that aren't anymore, we saw our first spy shots this week of the new Mark 8 Golf R. Did you did you get a, did you have a look at these, Tony? Did you see them during the week? Yeah, and do you know what I thought? I thought to myself, I'm going to have one of them. Uh, mate, as in that'll, so that did I. me as a daily. So yeah, did yeah, I. I, I saw that and I was like, ooh, why haven't I thought about this before? Like, I think... It looks sharp, the Mark 8. Would you agree? Very sharp, yeah. Now, Sam, if you cast your mind back, I mean, I don't know if, <laughs> if there's anything still in between your ears, no. but I did tell you a good couple of years ago to get yourself a hot hatch as a runaround and claim it off the firm and use it as your your car to park around and, and just do all the miles in that and you haven't listened to me, and now it's come round full circle, and you want to mark eight golf R, which is exactly what I told you to do two or three years ago. <laughs> and I'm claiming it's my idea, and that you had nothing to do with it. <laughs> but, but you're right. I mean, I, I, I have been a big fan of hot hatches forever, and I was the man who bought an Abarth 695 Aposto, which you belittled uh, every single day of the I week. I mean, that's not a hot hatch. <laughs> what? It's a super hot hatch. What are you on about? It's the best thing in the world. But didn't have any rear seats. No, who needs rear seats? Just me and just me and Vicky. We don't need, you know, got no one else to take well, them, you know? A hot hatch is supposed to be practical. I mean, you, you and you and Vicky can go and then sorry, we can't take the children or bring any friends. Not that you've got any friends, but or children. bring them anyway. <laughs> or, or children. <laughs> I see, I would argue this point. Does a hot hatch still need to be practical? Because look at the mini GP3, or what was that golf? They did the golf hardcore Club version. Sport S. Thank you. Club, Club Sport, Sport S. The new, that McGann Trophy R, that nearly a hundred grand hot hatch. You know, there are plenty of examples of very impractical hot hatches, but for you, that's a stretch too far, is it? It's not about stretch too far. You Have you ever wondered why they actually do that? For idiots they like normally, me. <laughs> for, well, that's one reason. The other reason would be is normally they come at the end of a production run where the manufacturers are scratching their head thinking, what are we going to do with all these chassis and bodies? I know we're going to make a limited run car just to get rid of them. And then they take the seats out, charge you 10 grand more. And uh, yeah, it's more uncomfortable. So, I mean, I don't understand it personally. Well, I would argue with you, for example, that the McGann is more than that, as was the 695 Pipasto. <laughs> because, because they're not just stripped out seats. Like, like that, that McGann, I haven't actually experienced it yet. I think there's a lot of like engineering that's gone into that from the Renault Sport side. And I think it's quite a bespoke creation. Okay, fine. You can look across some other marks and some other models. And yes, I get it. There are a few chassis left over. They're just trying to make an extra, a few quid at the end of the run. But... There are some other examples which are real special creations. You don't think? How much? Uh, how much is that again, Sam? It's like eighty something grand. It's sixty-five or seventy grand with, with that the carbon wheels. You there? I'm here. I'm here. I'm just going to Google that. So it's sixty-five or seventy grand. So Google it just to confirm, but I will be right because I'm very rarely wrong. <laughs> um, it, it's okay. It's very good around the Nürburgring or good on track. Fair. No problem. But I can think of plenty of other cars that will be easily as good or better for similar money. And then you can drive them home. So it is a pointless car in my opinion. 
Okay, it's 72 grand. Uh, so I'm bang on. <laughs> I hate you so much. Okay, well, <laughs> we're going to have to agree to disagree. I like a hardcore hot hatch. Like the R26R McGann from back in the day is like one of my dream hot hatches. Like I like a stupid, impractical, you know, three like cocks a front wheel going around a corner hot hatch or rear wheel even. Um, so yeah, I'm a fan of those. But the, the new Golf R I think looks sharp. I think it looks good and yes i'm super intrigued my concern obviously is the concern that we both share for all modern cars is that i drove the mark 7.5 and it was very good but but dare i say it too good um you know it was too good at everything that it, it lacked a little bit of emotion or for me and i know we bang on about this a lot on this podcast so maybe we're getting a bit um uh, tired on the topic but yeah i just worry with that mark 8 that it's going to be an even more diluted version of what a golf r or golf you know sporty golf should be yeah yeah you're you're right it will be but it will be a very good car and for daily use it's perfect. It'll be perfect. It'll be perfect. Right. Well, STG Golf R could be could be coming soon if Tony manages to convince me. But there are definitely a few other cars I'd like to have a, a go in first. Um, anyway, another car that we sort of didn't see spy shots of, but but heard whispers of this week or last week even is the theoretically upcoming GT4 RS. Now, obviously, last year, 718 Cayman GT4 and 718 Boxer Spider got launched. And I feel like to not as much uh, uh, pr- uh, pr- uh, praise as the previous generation did. Um, but it's still a, a great car. Um, Tony, obviously, you had that one in stock. Is it still in stock? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, oh, it's still we, in stock. we got it. We got it. We got it just before lockdown. So of course you did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> great, great time from your side. But yeah, still cool cars. But I just don't feel like there's as much hype around them as possible. And it, this may be because people have been aware that there is a potentially hotter version coming, an RS coming. Now, Mister Porsche over there, what 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 have you heard about this? What do you know about a potential GT4 RS? Uh, yeah, I know. I know that it's coming. I mean, people can hold off as much as they want. Yeah. You know, unless you bought a few cars, you're not going to get one anyway. So um, not even people that have just got GT4s won't always get one. Um, I don't know how many are being made. I, I expect not so many. Um, am I getting one? Probably not. Um, I, I don't know, mate. I don't know what money there'll be. There'll probably be... 15 grand more than the 718 GT4, that sort of money, I would think. The problem is, is that takes it very, very close to a GT3. This is what I was about to ask. Yeah, will it be as good as a GT3? I'm not sure. And is there a risk that they could almost go too far with that car? I mean, you've got to say, firstly, there's a hype around it because it's mid-engined. And so to have a GT4 RS, a mid-engined Porsche that is that theoretically focused and uh, the report I saw was uh, rumouring around 500 horsepower, that's an exciting prospect. But the appeal, I think, of the first generation was it was a real driver's car, like a real sports car for the everyday driver. Obviously great on track, great on the B roads. I think the minute you go to the RS level, if you are talking about big numbers like 500 horsepower, it's theoretically going to have to have a PDK gearbox because Porsche's mentality is that PDK is the quickest on track and the RS should always be the quickest on track. So then suddenly are you creating like a little 
baby supercar almost, and that's no longer a sort of Cayman. And as you say, it's kind of almost threatening the GT3. It, it, but Porsche never seem too scared about, you know, cannibalizing their own products, do they? No, they, to be fair to Porsche, which is why one of the reasons why I like them so much, they've always listened to their customers and they, they, people have been for years asking for a PDK hardcore GT4 car, essentially. And now it looks like they are going to buy one. It would just be interesting where they price it and where they put it in the market. And you're quite right for road because obviously the the free rs is is not good on the road that gt4 rs will be the same it won't be a road car it will then be a road stroke track car whereas a gt3 is still a road car essentially you can just track it if you want but it is very good on the road um but i think the gt4 rs won't be as good as the 718 gt4 on the road yeah it just might become a little bit too hard and bumpy and and i just i think it you know the the renders look amazing i think it will look very cool i think the idea of it will be great as i think the idea of a gt3 rs is but then the reality of it and the the livability of it is what throws it into question because yeah as you say they're usually track focused monsters that aren't that pleasant to drive long distance or on a sort of road trip or things like that. So it depends what you want from the car. I am intrigued, but I'm also wary of the fact that, you know, this may be a case of too much of a good thing. And there are also rumours of a GT4 touring uh, potentially coming out at the same time, which will basically be a sort of wingless manual, slightly dialed down version, which I think, again, is a bit unnecessary. Isn't that what the GTS is supposed to be? Um, Now that they've all got the same flat six engine um well no they haven't got the same one but they've at least got naturally aspirated rather than those turbo four cylinders but yeah so so let's let's hold our breath obviously i i expect we would have heard a little bit more about it if we weren't in covid lockdown but fingers crossed as the world slowly repairs itself we'll start to hear a little bit more news on this potential gt4s and i'll definitely i'll definitely want to have a go in one that's for sure because it's a, it's an exciting prospect yeah it'd be it'd be listen when have, when have you ever not got in a Porsche and thought, oh, this is no good? Yeah. I mean, it will, be, it, it will be good. It's as simple as that. And Porsche as well with their marketing strategy, they're so good at it as well in terms of how they make the hype up for these cars when they're releasing them. And they continue the hype even when they're out. And there's a big reason for that as well is because a little bit like the Volkswagen Golf, they make it for the people. So they're in a price bracket where they're kind of reachable for people and and they make a lot of them, which is why they can make them cheaper as well because they mass produce them. Um, and, and, and yeah, they, they, they make thousands of them and, and keep the hype and, and sell a lot of them. So it, it's good. This has been your dream podcast so far. Golfers, Porsche, you know, you're in your element, aren't you? Well, they're just proper cars, and I, mean, I just cannot be bothered with cars that break and cause problems. And I do get the fact that you know it's all part of ownership and that. I mean, it's not. Why well, not when you're talking about lots and lots of money? When you pay a hundred grand for a car or more, I mean, you want to get in the damn thing and drive it. You don't want to sit and call the AA every ten minutes because the poxy thing won't work. Okay, I think most cars work these days. No, I mean, apart from one brand, which I just can't be bothered bringing Two. up. But 
No, not two. One. Um, Easily two I can think of. Easily. I know the two that you can think of. But anyway, let's not go down that route because we'll be in danger of repeating ourselells for the twelfth week in a row. The last sponsor we ever get. (laughs) (laughs) But to keep things on track with things that you like talking about, um, did you see that last week they launched the Ferrari Roma configurator? Uh, I saw it, yeah, but uh, you know my thoughts about that car. I'm really not that bothered. So I certainly wasn't on the website rushing to build one, essentially, unless my wife wants one, to which point she can go and do it herself. <laughs> I'll tell her good luck with that as well, because I'd love to see her coming to you saying, Tony, I want a Ferrari Roma. I already, I already know yeah. what your response will be. Um, yeah, we're just about to lose my business and she's in a 200 grand car, which I wouldn't put it past her, by the way. <laughs> which is probably going to be worth 110 grand three months later. Um, yeah. But then, no, are you not like me? Because I agree, like, I don't have much interest in specking aroma, but I spend my life at the moment on configurators. This is all I'm to pass my time. I've moved away from Auto Trader because it's just, I mean, I'm like, I've completed Auto Trader. So now I'm in this kind of like, you know, fake reality of, of specking cars that I'm never really going to buy. Like, I was on the Lotus configurator yesterday, um, specking like the most beautiful Evora 410. Oh, that thing was amazing. But of course, I'm like, I'm never going to buy one, but it's looked great. So when the Roma configurator, comes along I'm just like hello so I spent about two hours specking various different Romas and it can look good I will say I, I still feel like maybe we need to see one in the flesh I do I do think that um, because they're a bit of a GT car I do think they'll look better in dark colour as yes. opposed to a red or a white or something like that I do think they'll be a little bit like um, F12 or GT4 Lusso maybe like like uh, like Tour de Tour de France blue or something like that. That that looked nice, maybe. That was my favourite spec, Tony. I mean, we have the there same. If, if we were to buy a Ferrari together, we at least wouldn't argue on the spec. Uh, no, <laughs> no, because we all know what we're talking about. Well, yeah, well, we know what we like. But um, the thing which I would say is that I still the reason I want to see that car is the proportions of it because on the Ferrari configurator they kind of their three sixty spin around puts you on a road which looks like it's just above Monaco or somewhere and somewhere beautiful in the south of France but from pictures and on the configurator the car just looks so huge to me it's really like clown shoe-esque that I can't tell if it's the same size as a, a Lusso or an 812 or is it more small and nimble and that will be my deciding factor I think as to whether I go ah actually you know what I kind of like it or whether I'm like oh no a bit weird mm. no I think it's definitely smaller it's it's uh it's uh we're not on California now. What we are now, Portofino. Portofino, which apparently is about to get another facelift any day now. Of course it is, yeah, yeah. because it will then it look exactly the same as the Roma. <laughs> yeah, They'll exactly. just cut the roof off. They'll just cut the roof off. But but have you not been on configurators? That must, that's not much fun for you, configurators, is it? That's not really your game. Not, not, not really, mate. I'm like, like, a, like a kid in a sweet shop. It's all right for 10 minutes, and then you think, well, actually, it's a bit like a Boston Zoldi. I do do this for a job, so... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I just seem to get far too carried away. I, the main car that I'm enjoying at the moment is the M340i Touring BMW. Yeah. I'm all over a bit of that. But the thing is, you well, spec one up, it's 56 grand, and then I go on Auto Trader and I find one for 45 grand. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, you probably get one for one of that 45 grand new if you, if you screw a dealer down hard enough. But um, they've always been good, them them three series estate, the the three three five diesel touring, and actually they've always held their money fairly well as well because people just didn't buy them new, so there wasn't that many of them. Um, 
which means I did hold their money a bit better. Um, mm. So, yeah, good car. So if you were considering for a, between a 340i or an S4, which way would your heart lean? I'd have to BMW. Uh, same. Just... The Audi, the Audi, the Audi is a, uh, how would I put it, as a computer. So the tech inside the Audi is probably slightly better. Um, but it just won't drive quite as good as the BMW. And to be fair, that new 340, it does look good as well. Looks great, um, mate. Yeah. So um, Audi's look a bit samey now. Yeah, they look a bit samey and they've lost a bit of that the aggressive design language, which I think they had three or four years ago, you know, you saw the Audis in the whole lineup look kind of great and, and unified. Whilst now it's becoming a little bit bland and mushy, where I feel like BMW have taken the step forward, apart from the absolutely ginormous grills. I'm really liking a lot of the BMW product range at the moment. And obviously this is reason being is that I've got to replace the the Mini Clubman at some point soon. I did get an email from Mini UK saying that obviously they won't be taking the car away during lockdown, but as soon as sort of lockdown is theoretically lifted, uh, they will be coming to collect it, <laughs> which makes me sad. And obviously the obvious thing to do would be just to go and get a Clubman. You can pick them up uh, with a few thousand miles on for like 25 grand winning. But then I'm like, well, maybe, maybe I want to go up a level. And so if you're going new, it is like, yeah, 340i's or S4's. But then this is my debacle. You can then look at the previous generation RS4 for like 25 grand. And you've definitely had a few of those come through in stock. For sure. Yeah. The only problem with them is that, I've, I mean, I'd still rather have a newer car because of what I see as a, as a, as a dealer, you know, they can, the, especially the, the older shape RS4, they can tend to cost a few quid as they start, you know. It's like got that big 30, V8, doesn't it? Big V8. They've got that silly dynamic suspension, and they, which is an absolute fortune to repair or replace. And it can only go to Audi. An independent specialist can't do it because you've got to have the right tool to do it. And it is a few quid, mate. So um, You'd steer away. And they do go. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, yeah. So at the moment, that's my kind of front runner. Is it's it's between another Clubman or the three forty i. But obviously, I need to go and drive a three forty i and then work out actually what the money comes down to. But we've talked about it before. I do want to do a sort of my next daily series when we when we get the chance to be able to do so. Um, but I'm also worried that I'm going to have to make a decision s- sooner than later because uh, yeah, if the mini gets gone, then I got no wheels. <laughs> Um, the, only, yeah. the only thing I'd say about the, the Mini and the, and the BMW particularly is that there's a big difference in size, mate. And, and mm. knowing that you where you live in London, uh, you know, an S4 or 340i might be a bit of a Too bit big. of an old bus to be lugging around. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah, that's been my thinking for a while. But, but my issue is that, to replace the Clubman, there's not much else in that bracket that excites me. It's all just a bit like, uh, there's the new CLA 45, but that's big money as well. And I've sort of gone off Merck a little bit recently. Um, and I still like the kind of estatey, you know, wagony type vibe. I'm not totally hooked up on it, but it's just useful. Um, I seem to spend my time my, like lugging so much stuff around. So anyway, we're getting a bit distracted because this wasn't the topic that we were supposed to be going down. I was supposed to be talking oh. about configurators, but I got completely like carried away there with 
<laughs> the fact that I've spent the last 10 days configurating different 340Is. Anyway, let's move on to today's main topic before I get a little bit more distracted because, yes, submitted, uh, suggested uh, by a few of you recently, Tony and I are now going to be going deep into, I guess, pub chat. Because let's face it, as petrolheads, how many times have we all discussed our dream five-car garage? Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Um, now, this is the Euro Millions garage. Money is no limit. Uh, uh, availability, exclusivity, it doesn't matter. You can have your pick, whatever you like. However, to try and help ourselves decide, we have broken it down into categories. Because, of course, you know, if you went out there and you won 500 mil on the lottery, who cares about categories? You're just going to buy whatever cars you want. But uh, we've got to try and somehow make some sense here. So the five cars that are going to be in our garage need to, make up, be, need to be made up by a daily driver, a family car, a classic car or a track toy, one or the other, a supercar and a hypercar. So those are the five categories. Um, now, I did let Tony know this in advance. Usually, I like to spring topics on him out of the blue. Um, but I did let him know about it so he could have a bit of a think. And I reckon what we should do, Tony, is we'll just go through each category and we're going to have to argue with each other our choices. So I will let well, you, you go first. Able, you won't argue with me because my five choices are bang on. So you won't be able to disagree with me. <laughs> the only thing I'd, I'd, I'd like to uh, bring up before I get going is the the classic track toy, as in as in a classic car or a track car? Um, has the track car got to be road legal, or can it be track only? Oh, it can be track only. It totally can be track only. That's no, that's no problem at all. Okay. Does right. that does that help you? Well, not really, because <laughs> I have to get, I've got to get my I've got to get my favourite car in somewhere. But well, I, don't I know where I'm going to put it? I did have to stipulate that Tony could not pick GT3 RS for every single category, which I think he was quite frustrated by. Um, but look, let's let's <laughs> <laughs> let's kick things off with, I guess, maybe the easiest. I don't know, daily driver category. So yes, Tony, you go first. Tell me what is your choice for a daily driver and why? Golf R. <sighs> 
<laughs> I don't think I even need to ask why, do I? You just think it's the best thing it's ever. Just be- it's just the best daily hot hatch you can have. I mean, there's there's so many cars, mate, you can have as a, as a daily car. But because you put family in there as well, you, you know, ultimately as a, as a daily car, you could say a Range Rover. But, I mean, they do brake. But, I mean, there's so many daily cars that, that do everything. RS4. But, you know, like, if we're going five car, I don't need to have a bonkers nut job of a daily car because I'm going to be so bored driving around the other ones. I don't, you know, the RS4 is going to just be a waste of money. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go Golfar as a daily. Golfar, because you can just snake around. No one's really going to give you too much attention. You still get Bang some on. pleasure out of it. It will keep you grounded. It will keep you grounded. Correct. And now I've gone in completely the opposite direction. <laughs> and this might be a theme for the podcast because my daily driver would be a Bentley Continental GT. Oh, <laughs> because I mean, you have absolutely gone in the. I mean, <laughs> you can tell you're privately educated. No, okay, true. But this for me is the ultimate daily driver. I get what you were saying by the fact that you might have some incredible cars in the garage, and we're going to get onto that sec- in a second. But this is the car that I would like to spend my life driving around in. Like, it's just the best, most comfortable, most easy to use, easy to drive. And yes, okay, fine, it's a supercar, but it's it can be driven like an A4. Like if you just dial it all out and just waft around in it, it's comfortable. The sound system's amazing. It has four seats so you can squeeze some people in the back. It's got a big boot. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. It's the best. That would be my dream daily driver. This is dream garage. This is not the, oh, let me work out with the accountant, like what would be the most sensible. This is dream stuff. Come on. Okay. No, no. I, I, I mean, we are going to be at complete other ends of the spectrum. Um, we are, because you know the difference being is you can actually afford your dream car garage. For, for, <laughs> for me, I'm still just making it up. Yeah, there's only there's actually only a proper probably a couple of cars on my list that I haven't actually either had or can't afford. So, yeah, yeah slightly, slightly different. Exactly, you're a bit more of a realist. Well, I'm yeah, I'm still the dreamer. But yeah, Continental GT, obviously in some kind of green with tan spec. Um, there's a beautiful one that that parks not too far from my house. Actually, I see it parked up every now and again. It's oh, it's just amazing. So yeah, that would definitely be my daily driver. And I admit, and I I realise that people might call me a tosser and might not let me out of junctions and might think I'm. I'm, you know, privately educated, which I am, uh, but I don't care. It's it's who I want to be. I want to be a Bentley Continental GT daily driver. So let's move on. And I quite worry about what our answers are going to be for this or how much they're going to differ to the family car section. So Mr. Sensible, uh, off you go. Look, well, this is not sensible. This is going on knowledge and the cars that I've have always been exposed to. Uh, okay. Sorry, I'm yawning. But so, go on. And, and don't forget, I will be right as well. <laughs> I, I would have, despite their problems, I would have a Range Rover Sport. Wow. Okay, and talk to as, me about the problems. Well, I mean, they just, I mean, uh, I mean, how many of your dad had? I mean, they just get nicked or break or... Yeah, I mean, his don't break, they get nicked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they just, uh, and they do break, mate. They do have their problems. But every single time... I get into a Range Rover Sport and there is no other car that does this for me. Every single time I get into a Range Rover Sport, I think, why would you want anything else from a car? 
You're so it, right. It, you are so right. It's, it, it, it's an, And it's such a nice place to be. It doesn't happen to me when I'm in the passenger seat or anything. But when I get behind the wheel of my dad's, I'm always like, oh, I'd love one of these at some point. It's just so good. It's just so good at doing everything. And you're up high and it's comfy and it's plush. And apart from the fact it might get nicked when you parked up overnight, it's just a great, great car. Yeah. And, and, and to be honest, I did consider the... KN as well in that because my family car at the moment is a KN. Um, Hello. But but um, the Sport just drives down the road a bit nicer than the KN. What I mean by that is, is it's not as sporty. It's a bit more comfortable. It is a little bit more of a nicer place to be. Um, and you're a bit higher up as well. Um, yeah, and they just – Range Rover's – for as bad as they are, they just give you that little bit of a warm feeling when you're driving them. And and that's the reason why they've won. They've become the golf of the SUV market, which is kind Bang of mad on. because 10 years ago, they were a super luxury product, weren't they? You know, it was big money, big money cars. People would look at you and be like, oh, here he is, Mr. Swanky and his Range Rover. Well, now it's just, yeah, it's the everyday, practical, usable, understated, dare we say it, you know, within the SUV market, which has been flooded with the likes of Bentaygas and Alfa Stelvios and God knows what, which are shouting in your face, it's become discreet. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, okay, I, I give you that. Would you have the SVR or just a, a bog standard one? Uh, well, I wouldn't have a standard one, would I? Because uh, <laughs> it just wouldn't fit my ego. But I mean, I, <laughs> I'm glad you I said mean, it. I, I mean, I, I'd, I'd definitely consider an F- SVR, but a you know, a HSE Dynamic Sport 3-litre diesel is adequate as a family car, bearing in mind that your missus or your wife or your kids are going to drive it and batter it. Do you really want them driving a 100-odd grand SVR that they're going to do four to the gallon? Not that you really care if you win the Euro Millions. However, you know, there is a bit of, uh, you are a petrol head and you think, what, 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 why are they, what are they doing to my family car? They're ruining it. Agreed. It's like when my mum takes my dad's Range Rover down to Cornwall and scratches all the sides on the bushes. And he, yeah, yeah. He gets furious. She doesn't care. He gets furious. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, well, uh, this is going to be awkward because my family car uh, would be a Jaguar XE Project 8. <laughs> what? Because four seats, big boot, comfortable, you can even put a roof rack on it. I'm pretty sure. I have, I'm still waiting for Jagger to reply to that email. But I'm almost certain you can put a roof rack on it so you could have a roof box for extra storage if you needed it. You could get the touring spec. You don't have to get the one with the silly wing. So you've got all four seats, super easy, super comfortable. It's got all the latest tech. But for the driver, the driver of the family car, me, it's like just the ultimate. Like I kick the kids out at school, not that I have any, kick the missus out, and then off I am to the Nürburgring to set some lap records. I mean, what a family car. Okay, there's two real big flaws that I've picked out in that car. One is it's not comfortable. You described oh, yeah. it as a four-door GT3 RS before, and I, that yeah. is not comfortable on the road. I forgot it's, it's got a very also, harsh ride. You did say that, yes. It's not practical at all. And I don't care what you say about four seats and a wing. I mean, you're you I mean, you clearly haven't got kids because 
if you realise that you had to get them in and every day and your missus driving it, and, and I know your missus very well, she would be fuming if she had to lug that around all she day. Loves so she, she loves Jaguars. She loves it. Jags. She loves it now. But when she's got children and she's trying to get them out them silly doors because of the wing back seats and she's hitting her head every time on the ceiling, I mean, that is not a thing. I mean, that is the worst family car I've ever come with. I mean, you might as well just said, oh, I'll have a GT3 RS. I mean, it's, I mean, it's <laughs> no, that would, that would be a ridiculous choice. The Project 8 at least is usable as a family car. Okay, I admit it's on the extreme ends of what you could get away with and fine, Vicky might struggle at times with the kids, but I don't care because I'm driving a Project 8 around as the family car. Like, you know, <laughs> let, let's load up and go and see my parents. Cool. We're jumping in the Project 8. Like, I mean, it's just the coolest thing ever. And the but I will admit, I had forgotten just how stiff the ride is. I think I've become so romantic about romanticized about that car that yeah, I, it was incredibly hard the ride, wasn't it? Yeah, and you've absolutely done yourself as well because you've got the daily car, which is a lovely Bentley, Bentley Continental, yeah, which you'll end up using as the family car <laughs> if you've got a Project Eight as a family car. <laughs> well, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I basically had to work out how to get all the cars that I wanted into the categories. Like that was literally like, that was all I was trying to do is it like, they don't really fit, but no, I'm sticking by my guns there. So, so it's far, a, go on. It's, it sounds like to me, square pegs in round holes, your five will be, but we'll carry on. Carry we'll carry on. on. Cause at the moment, yeah, as I say, daily driver, Tony went for a golf R. I went for a Bentley continental GT family car. Tony went for a Range Rover sport, not cared about which, uh, which specific, um, model or engine. And I went for an XE project eight. Um, okay. So, uh, moving on to the classic car slash track toy. So, uh, you asked me a question earlier as to whether the track toy had to be road legal. And I said, no, it can be track only if you want it to be. So, crack on, sir. What is your choice for this category? So, this is where I'm going to get my favourite car in because I can't fit it in anywhere else. Um, I don't like classic cars because they don't work. Um, and a track toy... I would have the track variant of what I'm going to say anyway. So I'm just going to put GT3 RS because I'm not a full-on pro racing driver and uh, a cup car would be better, obviously, but there's no prizes to be used the fastest on a track day. So um, at least I could drive my GT3 RS with number plates home, whereas uh, uh, the, um, the cup car, you couldn't drive home. So I will go, this is where I will put the best car in the world, all things considered, GC3 RS. Can I ask you, would you, if you had the choice again now, let's say Porsche called you up and said, we'll do a straight swap. We'll give you a brand new 3 RS for yours so you can start again. Would you change anything on spec? No, I like, I like my colour. And do you know what? There's, I'll tell you the only thing I probably would consider, and it, I was really torn when I was specking them, I may have a crayon car. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, but but they were the two colours for me. I didn't want the green or, uh, you know, I didn't want any of the other colours. It was black or crayon, and I went stealth, so. And um, you're not, yeah. would you ever want a Visac car, or you're not fast? Um, I would have a Visac car if I could have it in the uh, first wave 
of cars, so not got that silly exhaust on it. Yeah, you know, because mine, mine's got the titanium exhaust, and the the, the second batch car hasn't because it's got them silly filters on it. So, yes, I would have had a Visac. The only thing as well, and I said this as well, I've done a live on Instagram the other day, and people were asking me, would you have a free RS or a Visac free RS? And I actually stayed with what I've got because it's 30-odd grand more, mate. And that's a lot of money. That's a, another car. So, um, yeah, and, and at that point, from being 160 to then nearly 200, it's a big difference. So, yeah, of course. Um, I mean, if you hadn't won the Euro Millions, it's a big difference. But we're talking about dream garages here, Tony. Dreams. Yeah, no, no. Okay, so so dream then. GT3 RS, batch one with not the city exhaust with the Visac. So there you go. <laughs> I know why you had off in that. You felt like you were cheating on your car. You felt like it was going to be horrible to you, <laughs> kick you and spit at you next time you went near it, but I'm sure it will understand. Um, okay, well, no surprise for me. I'm going classic car rather than track toy. Um, and I really tried not to pick Ferrari for every category because I think that would have been too obvious, but I have ended up having to pick a Ferrari for the classic because who would I be if I didn't? Uh, and I'm going with a 250 short wheelbase. Probably a competizione, um, because that's that is really one of my all-time dream cars. Uh, of course, we haven't really talked about the fact that we very sadly lost Sterling Moss recently. Sir Sterling Moss, uh, one of my most sport heroes, true icon, absolute legend, uh, who very famously uh, got behind the wheel of a 250 short wheelbase competizione, the number seven car, blue number seven car, which Ross Braun ended up owning for a while. I don't know if he still owns it. Maybe he owns the number four, actually. Anyway, so I'm getting a bit <laughs> nerdy here. Um, but yes, I will never be able to buy a 250 short wheelbase unless I win the Euro Millions because the stock cars are 12, 15 mil, something like that. The competizione's are 20-odd mil. So yeah, it's a dream, dream car and represents a, uh, an honest and early era of Ferrari. And I'm just obsessed with the way it looks, the way it sounds. Got to get up close with one at the Hampton Court uh, concourse not that long ago. Uh, and it's just, it's a dream. It's a dream. Are you a fan of 60s Ferraris, Tony? Or is that a bit too far back for you? Uh, I appreciate them, but... but and as well, to be honest, there's so much money. I know it's not a problem when you win the Euro Millions, but it, it, it doesn't matter whether you're a multi, multi, multi millionaire. You still got to, you still be afraid to drive it, mate. Well, you know that was I mean? the thing. Like my, my first argument was going to be, oh, if I got the competizione, that's also my track toy. But let's face it, like even the guys who are theoretically competing at Goodwood, like Revival in their original i don't think they're all original and if they are my god like that is some balls to be out there competing in like truly truly original 20 million pound cars i think some of them are to yeah. be fair but but either way like i w i probably wouldn't i would just be driving it along monaco uh, um uh but yeah it would still i just think uh, for me the heritage the history i'm sure to drive it's not going to be that spectacular anymore in comparison, but I think the feelings, the emotion, everything you'd get out of it, it would feel like a very honest and very raw driving experience. So that's why for me, it would be my, my pick. And that's almost like my number one pick of the whole group. Um, definitely in terms of value. So yeah, we've gone in different directions there, but I think quite predictable ones for us, anyone who knows us. Uh, yeah. And I get, I do get that bit. And I, and I, like I said, I appreciate it. And, and, and I thought about it myself, but you know, I like a car that, that to drive and and 
and put loads of miles on it and you would just ruin the value of something like that if if you did that so oh no um, i don't think you like if you'd got a 250 short wheelbase and put thirty thousand miles on it i don't think you'd touch the value like when have you ever heard of one of those like uh, auctions going on is like ladies and gentlemen now we have a 250 gto but warning it's got a hundred thousand miles on the clock like no, like, <laughs> like no one cares like that because the engines get rebuilt so many times and like you know I, I don't think that really matters at that point yeah no i i oh, well i mean i think it do, does and, and i don't think any of them have done big miles like that anyway so Mm. Um, I'd be interested to know actually you know who we should speak to is DK Engineering they'd be all over the sort of um, is mileage uh, an in factor should we try and do maybe we should try and do an interview soon Tony we haven't done one for mm. a while it might be tricky with this whole Zoom stuff but we could give it a go and I'd, I'd love to hear from DK whether that whether mileage affects those real classic car values yeah um, and they they to be fair I've been to I've been there a couple of times as well and they really know their stuff. They've been around a long time and they sell real lovely stuff as well. Super and all lovely original. Stuff. And they work stuff, on it all, yeah. you know, they, they restore and they maintain. So they're, they're super knowledgeable. I'll, I'll look into that. Um, but anyway, we're, we're getting caught up on this category. It's time to move on to category number four, which could arguably be the most pop- popular category in the list. It's the supercar category. Now, I don't know about you, but I found this really difficult because really like you know picking one supercar for your garage given the sort of categories that have gone before uh, okay you could argue that i've already picked two <laughs> with the project eight and the continental gt but but i class supercars usually mid-engined um and uh, low and something that you know you drive down the street people go <gasps> so i'm willing to go first here because i don't have much to say about my choice because i think it's just an obvious one it's the 458 Speciale Aperta. Okay. Very good shout. I was worried for a second you were going to say same. Um, but the reason it's not a Pista Spider is I think the Speciale Aperta, for me, is arguably one of the most desirable modern-day Ferraris. Uh, whilst, you know, we've talked about it many times before, we both kind of agree the Pista's a better car. I think the sensation you would get uh, from driving a Speciale with the roof down would just be unbeatable. Uh, for me, the 458, iconic supercar, iconic Ferrari, probably a car that I've really lusted after and one day I want to experience owning and therefore the Speciale variant even more so. And then the Aperta was just like that unreachable dream car. And so if I was going to have one supercar, I think that ticks all my boxes. Ferrari, but modern Ferrari, roofless, naturally aspirated, hardcore, could take it on track, could take it on a road trip. Yeah, so I mean, I said I didn't have much to say about it, but I just, I just spoke about it for three minutes. Um, yeah, you feel free to throw in any thoughts, Tony. Otherwise, I'm intrigued to hear your choice. No, so uh, I I can't argue with you. Uh, you know, it, it 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 did not the spider, but the the coupe was in there for me. Obviously, being that I've owned one, but but, but perhaps because I've owned one is a reason why it's not going in. Maybe um, I was. It was a choice of two cars for me, and they're both modern. Um, the choice was GT2 RS and Pista Coupe. Ooh. I don't. I don't like convertible track-focused cars because they don't make any sense to me. Fair. So 
I've picked the Pista, not because I think it's a better car than a GT2 RS, because as a machine, I don't think it is. But I've picked the Pista because of the GT3 RS. You can't have a two and a three. So that's why I've picked the Pista, because that car does everything you ever want it to do. Um, I still think it is special, although it's not as special as a Speciali, but it is a much better car. And I like much better stuff. You know, I like like new things. Modern. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there'll be people shouting at me saying, oh, why don't you get an Aventador SVJ? Because that is literally the worst thing you could ever think about driving. So, do you know what I mean? Like, mm. like, I like new stuff, but when you ask it for a gear, it gives you the gear. And when you turn the steering wheel, it will go in the right direction. Yeah. And the Pista is the latest and greatest car out there. So hey, I'm not going to argue with you. You know I'm a fan of that. And actually, I had, a, I had an argument on your behalf, but on my behalf as well with Shmi the other day in one of our WhatsApp groups because uh everyone was going in on the pista so i just decided to stir the pot and said well it's better than a 4gt and it can probably lap le mans quicker than a 4gt <laughs> which point he, didn't, he wasn't very amused but um yeah i'm, I'm not gonna argue I, I love the pista and that was that was kind of my other choice was i was gonna go pista and then i thought oh no actually i want the special apert anyway great choices by both of us i think and what a fantastic yeah, yeah. road trip that will be for us you and your pista and me and my special aperta win 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 yeah so the final one, and I know this is a category that really doesn't excite you at all, but it's one that does excite me because I don't think I'll ever be able to buy a hypercar. So I like to fantasize every now and again about the thought of doing so. Um, you obviously already have your Jumeirah on order. I don't know if that was going to be your choice. <laughs> Maybe I've just, you know, spoiled it for you. But uh, if it's not the Jumeirah, what would you pick for your dream five car garage? Laugh. Okay. Going in strong at the end. Yeah. Going in strong at the end. And you know what? I would have the Aperture as well. Oh, okay. Interesting. I'd I'd have the the only convertible in the... And like we said, this is money, no object. So I could just go and pay the money for one and I'll just buy it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is a car I'll sit and look at. I will use it. But, I mean, is that not the pinnacle of of, of of, of the car? I, I mean, think for us, insane, I think for yeah, us, yeah. yes. And you know, what's so interesting is that obviously over the years that Holy Trio have been discussed so many times, the 918 Spider, the P1, the Laugh. If you look at used market, I think it tells the story, which is nowadays P1 and 918s are back down to a mill. I mean, you know, basically yep. asking price. Whilst Laugh is a what? Still two, two and a half? So, so they are, they're double their asking price, roughly, both of them. Yeah, which is, you know, I think it stands to, you know, the, the, the test of time. It's the car that's the most desirable of the three. And, and that is a lot to do with the Ferrari badge and Ferrari customers and Ferrari collectors. But I just think it, it is still so, so desirable. And, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll go with, I'll go with that as well. But then I suddenly thought, well, no, that's three Ferraris in my dream five car garage and I've got to shake it up. And you know what, to be honest, after my very brief experience driving the LaFerrari, I think having a special Aperta and a laugh, unless you were really thrashing the laugh, I think a lot of the times it would feel quite similar to the special Aperta because that's what it felt like to me. It's felt like a fast four, five, eight an angry, large four, five, eight. And so I don't know if there would be a point of differentiation. So, so, 
so sorry to come in. That is another reason why I didn't put the speciality in. Okay. Just because I'd picked a laugh and the same generation, so they've got that same raw feel. Whereas the um, the the pistas more like cartoon fast. So and actually probably round the track, a, a pistas faster than a than a than a laugh. Probably. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah that's why I did differentiate between the two. Fair enough. Well, yeah. I mean, I found this quite a hard one to to sort of finally settle on. I. I for a long time, I was thinking that I would pick a Zonda, like a crazy Zonda 760 or whatever, because just I think that has been my poster hypercar for so many years, for so long. But over the last five years or so, that has changed. And whenever I've thought about hypercar, desirable hypercar, it's weirdly lent towards Bugatti. Um, and so, yes, whilst the laugh is right up there, it just it's a bit too Ferrari. And I st- I've said it before, I think I would get an Enzo over a laugh. And then I'm like, okay, well, if I'm saying that, then maybe the laugh shouldn't be my ultimate hypercar choice. But having driven the Chiron Sport in Florida last year and also very briefly driven a Veyron uh, up in Canada, that would be my choice. It would be a Bugatti Chiron Sport would be would be my ultimate hypercar because I think that thing is just mind-boggling. Yes, maybe it's not as pointy and sharp as a laugh or a 918 or a p1 and it's still a bit more of a cruiser but my god what a cruiser and in sport variant it's a bit more aggressive it's loud it's rumbly inside it, it feels like it wants to attack the road and it's a bloody bugatti like do you know what I mean? like 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 what a life goal like what a moment to be like oh yeah let's take the bugatti for dinner um it feels next level so i know you're not a big fan but will you will you let me have the chiron sport no, I can't really tell <laughs> on you about that, can I? Really? I Thank mean, God. I mean, to be fair, there the 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 last two choices that we both picked, I can't argue with. I can't argue with the four five eight Aperta, and I can't argue with with a Chiron Sport. But I can't. I can't. You know, good, fair. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Apart from we started at, at, at odd ends, um, but but we kind of came together towards the end with our with our thoughts and our choices. Um, but to recap, then daily driver Tony went for a Golf R, and I went with a Bentley Continental GT family car. <laughs> Tony went with a Range Rover Sport, and I went with a Jaguar XE Project Eight classic car track toy. Tony went with his beloved Porsche 911 GT3 RS. I went with the Ferrari 250 short wheelbase. Competizione supercar. I went with the 408 Speciale Aperta. Tony with the 488 Pista, and then hypercar. We got Tony in a LaFerrari and me in a Bugatti Chiron Sport. I mean, I think I don't think you could knock either of our choices. If I'm honest, um, okay, maybe people could knock a couple of my early ones. <laughs> but what we would love to know is, you guys listening, what would you pick? What would make up your dream five car garage? Put it, put it below uh, if you're watching here on YouTube. And I think whichever comment or whichever garage gets the most thumbs up, we will talk about it. We will discuss it in the next episode because uh, it's always interesting to hear what people uh, you know would choose for their Dream 5 car garage. So yes, comment below. Uh, whichever, whichever comment gets the most thumbs up, we will discuss. If you're listening, uh, feel free to submit via Twitter. Just make sure you use the hashtag behind the glass. Well, Tony, I think that brings an end to today's episode. It's been it's been good. Uh, I found it interesting. I now feel a bit depressed that we neither of us won the Euro Millions and we can't go and, and buy these garages. I mean, the only one I can't really buy is the, is the Laffa Perta at the end. All right, mate. No need to show off. Come on. I mean, <laughs> I mean, rain, rain it in. Rain it in. I mean, I am going to... 
I'm going to have a go. I'm going to have a go. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's ever going to happen. But I'll have a go, boy. Okay. We'll see what happens. Good son. Well, look, thank you, for, thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Tony, for joining in. Uh, make sure all of you stay subscribed, turn on notifications so you don't miss future episodes. And if you're, you're listening, keep following on whatever audio platform. And we'll be back for another episode next week. Adios. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 